Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Let me just start with saying this. I'm going to read from the book of Revelation this morning and... uh, if you're no used to this or no used to church, listen, I said this last night, the word of God will do this, whether you're a believer or no a believer, it'll cut your heart. Yeah. Yeah. It'll do two things after it cuts your heart. It'll either lead you to repent or it'll lead you to, it'll lead you to anger. Yeah. Every single human being. The word of God never returns void. Yeah. When I open the word of God and I'm speaking about the word of God, two things are going to happen. Believers will get encouraged or repent. And non-believers and people who are angry People will get angry. Either way, it's going to touch your heart. They get angry. They start gnashing their teeth. You start getting uncomfortable in your seat. You'll start to breathe heavily. You'll start to blow. You'll start to pant. You'll start to scratch. You'll start to itch. Whatever it is, you're going to get annoyed. That's what's going to happen. Some some non-believers know that they know that will make Connor's effort not to do that. (laughs) But that's what will be going on inside. That's what happens with the word of God. It never returns void. You will either you will either be convicted in your heart, or you'll get annoyed. Or you might fall asleep. That's the third one. It's not, I've not mentioned. <laughs> in the book of Revelations, and I'll just give you a wee bit of background here, and if any of you know the book of Revelations, I mean, I could never, I'm not the world's best Bible scholar who could, who could ever dissect some of that stuff. It's, no, if you can preach for Revelations every day and preach for Ecclesiastes or preach for Song of Songs, you're, no, in my book, you're doing something amazing. But uh, uh, this is where... Jesus goes into the churches, the seven, he goes into seven churches and uh, there's been a steady decline in five of churches, he goes into five churches, he goes into seven churches, this is Jesus himself in Revelations and he meets John and I just want to just read a wee bit, uh, it says in Revelations uh, one ninety thirteen, I John both your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos. From the word of God and from the testimony of Jesus Christ, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, this is Jesus talking to John here. This is him coming back. Jesus is talking to John. He's had a revelation. It's no revelations, just in case you're wondering there. It's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. If it's a book of Revelation, it mean, if it's a book of Revelations, it means that none of them join. No, and that's why you know, the, the charismatic church are all getting revelations everywhere. You know, It's no revelations, it's revelation. One follies on for the other, follies on for the other, follies on for the other, follies on for the other. Revelations mean that they can be no part of anything. It's not the book of Revelations, it's the book of Revelation. It's, it's, it's singular. Uh, uh, what you see right in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, uh, uh, to... How do you... <laughs> I'm just sorry, I needed my glasses there. Uh, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, and to Philadelphia. We're not talking Philadelphia in America, we're talking Philadelphia in Turkish region, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me and have turned. I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest as a golden band. So Jesus is now came and appeared to John and is saying, uh, I'm going to go from church to church. 
No John going from church to church. Figure this out. Jesus, I'm very self, being the lamp. I am going to go from church to church in these days, and I'm going to explain to you, and I'm going to tell you what I see in each church. When I explain what you see in each church, I'll come back and I'll explain it to you, John. And when I come back and I explain it to you, what you're going to do is you want, I'm going to get you to write a letter teaching everyone and tell them where they're at. Oh, <laughs> and that's scary. Yeah. The very thought. Jesus goes from church to church to church, writing a report, survey. And then reports it to John and then John explains it and he's going to write a report. So this, uh, so the journey and uh, it starts in the seven churches and it starts in the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus, which in Turkey doesn't even exist today, sadly. There is no church in Ephesus today. Uh, Apostle Paul, and this is the church, this is the first church, so it talks about the, 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 the church that's lost its love or the unlovable church. Uh, Apostle Paul was the first pastor of the church of Ephesus. Good start. Imagine going in after him. We've got a new pastor now, Callum Brown. Oh, you're not as good as the last one. It was was Apostle Paul before you. After Apostle Paul kind of moved on, uh, Timothy took over as the church. There. Uh, pretty good start, don't you think? <laughs> good start, but the first pastor of your church is Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and the second was his prodigy. Uh, it's a pretty good start. So Paul was the first pastor there, and then Timothy, so it's a good start. Uh, I'm not going to get through all these for times, for loads of reasons, but the main one is time. But let me just read the first church that Jesus visits. So he visits seven churches. Uh, let me just read the first church, which is the, the church in Ephesus in Revelations 2, 1 to 5. This is what he sees in the church in Ephesus. And it says to the angel of the church, the angel of the church, if you're wondering who the angel of the church is, that's the pastor. It's a bad, trans- it's, well, it's not necessarily a bad translation. What, another word for angel would be master. Another word would be them who's in charge. To the angel of the church, to the pastor of the church. That's what he's saying, just in case. Who is he writing to an angel? No, he's writing to the pastor. He's writing to the pastor, to the to the pastor, to the pastor of the church of Ephesus writes, These things says he holds seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of seven golden lamps. So that talking about Jesus walking in uh, in the midst of this church. He's just there surveying it. It's mind blowing really, isn't it? Uh, he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your watch, your labour, your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have persevered and have patience and have laboured for my name's sake. Good start here, you could say, pretty decent. Uh, uh, and you've not became weary. So they're really working hard, this church. They're a hard-working church. They are working hard. Nevertheless, I have this against you. It's just one thing, but they've got this against you. It's just one thing they've got against them. Uh, you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you're falling, repent, which I love that Jesus always gives people an opportunity when they've got it wrong to get it right again. Uh, Repent. And do the first works. Remember your first love. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its places and let you repent. As we move from season to season, let let me just be briefly here. It's so important as we get deeper into God's word and become that that's so important that we don't lose our first love. Our first love would be Jesus, but the second would be that we love the church and we love people. Let's not get so caught up in that we're trying to be doctrinally correct that we forget about what to love people and love them who are lost and love them who are far from God. Never, we can never lose that. 
And what's happened here with this church is, is that they've got so doctrinally correct <laughs> they've actually forgotten they've left their first love as they get into works and acts and behaviours that they've actually somehow lost God somewhere in amongst it or they've lost Jesus. So Jesus is saying, I know you do a lot of good and you have the religion and the knowledge, but you've lost your first love. Uh, me. In the midst of fighting a cause, churches fighting for causes and becoming rebels, fighting against stuff, uh, instead of fighting for things. Rebels fight against things, revolutionaries fight for things. Yeah. Uh, a lot of rebel churches, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, when we started church, we were, I think, my naivety, my immaturity, my lack of courage, strength, tenacity, awareness, wisdom. We would say what we didn't like, and you get a lot of different types of people coming to your church because of what they don't like. Yeah. You get resentment people churches. They come and they've got a resentment, and they've got an anger, and they've got a problem about another church. Yeah. And then what you do is, is people listen to their tale of woes about why they were mistreated by the last pastor and their last stuff. Little do you know that the person, even though they might have not been treated well with the last pastor, which may or may not have been the case, you usually find when you talk to these people, they fill out with a lot of people. Yeah. The last pastors know the only thing that they fell out with, they fell out with hundreds of people, not just the last pastor, what I've found, to be honest yeah. with you. That's not the whole reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, no, but I, I've spoke to people and said, well, we fell out with them, we were mistreated yeah. there, and that didn't go well there. We become a rebel church, and you go, well, that's no right, and I'm fighting your cause because we'll love you the way you, the other church didn't love you, uh, which is no love at all. And then as you get to know people, you actually find that they, they fell out with their neighbour, they don't go on with that person, they don't go on with that, and the pastor was just one of the many. Yeah. doesn't mean that the pastor was right or wrong, it just means that we're one of many. Yeah. The people that have fell out with So yeah. I'd be wary of them coming to me going, you know what, no, when somebody comes and they've got a resentment against the last church they've went to, I'm very, very wary of listening to them. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I do listen to them, that's not true. I listen to them and if they were mistreated, I would say that wouldn't be fair. But let's face it, no mature Christian should be living an offended life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say get over it. You know what I mean? That's what I would say. So in, in, in the midst of fighting a cause, this is what Jesus has said in the church in Ephesus, that you've lost me. If you lose me, people will stop being loved as well. Yeah. And this is the start of a steady decline into obscurity. And he goes from church to church. And as he goes from church to church, bringing himself from one place to the next, taking his lamp from one place to the next, what actually happens is, is his lamp just gets dimmer as he goes to each church. That's what happens. And it's, an, it's, it's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. So what that means is, is that he's going from one church to the next. And because starting with the first church, what happens there is a steady decline. When we lose our first love, wait till you hear what starts to decline in the church. Wait till you hear what we become. And this is what Jesus is saying because it's a steady flow from one church to the next. There are no individual churches. They are individual churches, but he's shown the steady decline in the churches that he visits. Uh, and then as he goes to church to church, you see the steady decline when you lose your first love and you don't repent, you don't change. Two out of the five churches, get, two out of the seven churches get a good report. Uh, there's a persecuted church in Smyrna. Uh, that, gets a, that gets a great report. That was, that's, a, that's the persecuted church. The persecuted church gets a great report. Uh, You've never seen anything wrong there in the persecuted church, believe it or not. Uh, where there is persecution, this is my experience as well, where there is persecution, you will always see people gravitating to the first love. So see whenever you see people, see when you see somebody being annoyed, offended, see when you see somebody getting persecuted, it's well worth having a wee look at where they go. Yeah. 
Because where they go when they're persecuted tells you what they're in love with. <laughs> See if somebody's persecuted and then they start blaming and criticizing, you can pretty much guarantee that their first love's the enemy. Yeah. 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 Where somebody goes when they're persecuted tells you what their first love is. If you're persecuted, what do you do when you're persecuted? Some people rant on social media when they're persecuted. Some people do this stuff. It tells you what their first love is. What you do when you're hurting tells you what you love the most. When I was hurting the most, I drank alcohol. That was my first love. It became my first love. When I was hurting the most, you can blame or you criticize. Some of you will get involved in all sorts of fornication and all sorts of sin stuff in your life. What you're doing when you're most hurting. Oh, I'm not here to talk about it. I need to be wary of that. There are younger people in here. But what, where do you go when you're hurting? Yeah. Where do you go when you're hurting? Some people do the most crazy things when they're hurting. Yeah. Really, the, 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 what they do in social media and what they do and then what they do on the internet, a lot of men go down that road when they're hurting. That's the road they go when they're hurting. Yeah. Tell you, the word of God will cut your heart, won't it? You'll either do one or two things. You'll either repent here or you'll be raging at me. Yeah. Either way, it makes no odds. So where do you go when you're hurting? Do we go and look for a relationship and something that's not of God? Where do you go when you're hurting? That tells you what your first love is. Yeah. Uh, the persecuted church, when they were hurting, they went to the first love, which was Jesus. So which then brought them to the faithful church, yeah. which goes on in Philadelphia. The church in Philadelphia, incidentally, was the church that was known as the, the evangelist church. It was the greatest evangelist church of its time where thousands and thousands of people would repent and come to know Christ. They were the greatest church known in its time. The church in Philadelphia, where they, they were a total soul one in church, and they were a soul one in church because they were first a persecuted church. And when they were persecuted, they drove to their first love. Just remember when you're persecuted, remember that what, what God's trying to do there. He's, drawn to, he's, he's, he's trying to draw you to him. He's drawn to him. If you know when you're going through suffering or you're going through stuff, there's that deeper cry sometimes. No, in that Gethsemane yeah. moment yeah. where you just want that cup to pass by you. Yeah. Uh, you want the suffering to pass by. That's what that's saying. Yeah. Have this cup pass me by. Have this suffering pass me by. That's what, that's what he's asking for. But then I'm not mine, but thy will be done. Yeah. So the suffering doesn't pass by that he faces it, but it draws him back to who? Yeah. It draws him back to the Father. Yeah. And persecution can do all sorts of stuff or pain can do two things. That's some coach people at times and I, I sit with them and see when they're in their most amazing pain and anger and stuff there's always an opportunity, amazing opportunity for them to turn their life around yeah. uh, but it depends what what they draw to, yeah. so when you're facing pain or persecution or you're facing stuff pretty much what you're gravitate to tells me what your first love is yeah. some people will gravitate to approval or acceptance for others yeah. or blame or criticism yeah. that tells me what your first love's humans and your first love's people and there's a steady decline for that. So uh, where there is persecution, they'll always see people gravitating towards their first love. You can tell a lot about what people really love when they're in pain. The bed. Tablets. Yeah. Criticism. All sorts of stuff. That tells me your first love. Night out. <laughs> Get drunk. Party, Marty. Tells me what your first love is. Uh, today... No, there's no churches in that area, Ephesus, really. Yeah. Because they lose you that first love. 
uh, goes to the next level. And then I've just mentioned there about the, the persecuted church that leads to the faithful church in Philadelphia. But when you move on for the church that's lost its first love, it goes to the church in Pergamos. And the church in Pergamos is a compromised church. So that, what happens is, is when we lose our love of Jesus, some, next, the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to start to compromise. When you lose your first love, compromise will start coming in. When our first love goes, we gravitate towards acceptance. I want to hear you. We are not living in times of seeker-friendly churches. We are living in times, we have went way beyond that. We are non-seeker-friendly. We are now really friendly. People are not looking for God at all. People come to church and are not even looking for God. That's why we're friendly. This is what starts to happen. This is what Jesus is saying. Uh, so seeker-friendly churches would mean that you would think that they were seeking God. So we want to be friendly to them or seeking God. We get that to an extent. But went even beyond that now. We're not even at seeker-friendly church. Seeker-friendly church is 80s. We're in, 20, we're, in, we're in 2017. We're no seeker-friendly church. We're non-seeker-friendly now. Yeah. That means that we've learned to compromise and that means we have to accept what goes on in people's life. Look at the world today and look at gender, gender equality and all the crazy stuff that's going on yeah. now. It demands to be accepted. Yeah. It demands to be accepted. Right. And because we've lost our first love, we start compromising. This is what it says in the church in Bergamo so that we start to accept because we, what's happened is a sin now looking for acceptance we're not talking about acceptance in people we're talking about acceptance of sin so what's happened is in the compromised churches is that we've, we've had to learn now to accept sin so now we accept sin this is what happens this is the second church that Jesus visits well it's the third church the second church is the persecuted church I sometimes just think that Jesus wanted to go somewhere like I need to encourage myself here this is a so decline I'm sure that's not the case but I'm just saying that for effect uh, the compromised church where our first love grows we gravitate to acceptance and they start to accept people's differences we're not talking about accepting people here we're starting to accept that they see God differently that they want a different God that they see that but I don't see God that way I like science I don't see it that way I like that this is what Jesus says will happen in the church uh, and they gravitate towards acceptance start to accept people's differences how they worship what they worship uh, although the church wasn't in it and the pastor wasn't in it who he's writing the letter to we know you're no in it pastor this is what Jesus says we know you're no in it but you became very accepting of it we know that you're no in here, but you became so accepting of it. Yeah. Uh, and because now it's accepted, now they've got to... What happens next is, as we move on, and I need to move quick here. You can tell how I've not got a lot of time here. <laughs> the next church he goes and visits is the church of Thyatira, that just moved on for the church that's lost its first love. They've started to compromise. This is the next part now. Now it's not just acceptance. Now the, them in the church is now participating in it. See when the cord of the love of God is lost. Listen to me. See when the cord of the love of God is lost. Compromise comes in. Sin will enter the church. See, sin's no trendy in it, no. It's not a trendy word in church. No, we want to call it something else now because we don't want to offend people. There'll be much gnashing of teeth. We don't want to offend people now. And that's now gone. This is what starts to happen. You can read it yourself. What starts to happen is... What starts to happen is everybody's now got relationships with non-believers. They're in that. They're in sexual relationships with non-believers. All this stuff is now on the go. It's now accepted. It's now totally accepted. It's not just accepted. Them in the church are now part of it. So what started is we lost our first love. This is what Jesus says. We've lost our first love. Then we've started to compromise because we need to start to accept people because we've lost our first love. So we're starting to chase man love. You know what I mean? So we've lost first love. We start to chase man love now. Then now that the church is now that's getting and we've started to accept it. The lamp gets a wee bit darker. And now it's not just that we see it happening and we accept it in church, that we are now partakers in it in church. So it's the next thing that happens. 
So now we're getting people in church and now we're all right. You know what I mean? Just know what we're doing. We're, now what we're doing is we're doing worldly counsel to people's lives. This is the way it's gone. Go and look at, go and look at society today. There's no boys or girls now. Seriously. And all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff because it's now accepted and this is now in church. Now we need to do this and we need to accept that and we need to accept that and we need to accept that because if we don't, we're no loving. But the problem is we've lost our first love. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So Jesus has moved into this church now and he's had a look at it. Now there's nothing. Now, now we can go up to anything. This is what John Bevere says. He says, you sin and it's like a, a, a metal boiling rod that pierces your heart. The second time it just nips and see me after a wee while, you don't even feel anything. You don't feel anything. <laughs> can just live any way you want. Come to church and worship God and feel nothing about any correction or guidance or nothing. I don't feel a thing now. I can live any way I want, no even any conviction. Because we've now became non-seeker friendly and what happens is, is now we become, listen, if you're a non-believer and you're really comfortable, there's something wrong in church. Yeah. Yeah. You come to church as a non-believer and you're sitting there quite comfortable, there's something wrong. Yeah. No, unless you're trying to be flint-faced to pretend. Yeah. doesn't matter whether you're flint-faced, Jesus is looking at the heart. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so, so they've went from accepting, now we've went from accepting, this is what Jesus has now visited this church, they've went from, ex- <laughs> they went from accepting to endorsing. We positively have endorsed difference. Just be yourself. Don't worry about anything, just be you. <laughs> in the, raw, in the, the worst sense of the word. You be you, as long as you're happy. Are you happy? I'm happy. I was talking to a gentleman the other day and he says, he was saying to us about one of his family and he was saying, you know what? They were talking about siblings and he says, you know what? My son doesn't mind that his sister's in church. He's pleased for her. I thought, my goodness, are you kidding me? Do you think he's going to go to heaven and go, can I get in because I know my sister? You don't get to heaven because you know somebody that's in there. Like, you're kidding. Well, you know what? She's no, they're, they're a good person. It's see, we've now demanded it needs to be accepted. It's not just accepted, it's now endorsed. Yeah. I don't mind if you go enjoy it. It, it seems to be working for you. Yeah. you. You you're certainly becoming a better person since you went. You go to heaven, you die. You've got an opportunity. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. I know that's not a trendy word now. Yeah. And you go, my pal went. My sister went. My husband went. My wife went. Jesus, I don't know you. Yeah. You didn't come. Yeah. I don't care. And we party with prodigals. We don't, we don't just no mind. We just like, you know what, I don't mind. I go and it's all right. They seem to be nice. And, and because we've now accepted and we're at this stage in our church life, this is what Jesus is saying. Now that we have now endorsed them who don't come. Yeah. Yeah. We're pleased for them. We're delighted for them. We've made it simple. We might even make them a cup of tea as we leave to come to church. Seriously? <laughs> 
So, all started to be losing its first love. To accept and sin. To accept and sinners. To endorse it. To be it. Because when sin starts to get accepted in church, that's going to get preached. You cannot preach this when sin gets accepted in church. Yeah. <laughs> you can't preach it. The words go to go. Yeah. You've got to now find a new philosophy, which is called psychology. Yeah. Now you've got to find psychology in church. That's be your best now. Be your best now. Speak it. Now it's motivational speech. Yeah. Motivational speech doesn't beat sin. See if motivational, sp- nothing beats sin but except Jesus. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing beats sin. <laughs> nothing beats sin except Jesus. You get what I'm saying? Motivation does the motivation will make you feel terrific on the way to hell. I feel terrific that I'm going to hell, but I'm going to have a party all the way there. That's what that does. Because now that you've accepted sin, this cannot get preached anymore. You cannot preach this anymore because the cord's been broke. You can't preach the word of God. No, there's no transformation in people's lives. Yeah. This is what's happened. That's why the charismatic movement starts because you've got godly people and you've got godly people in church who are desperate for more of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I said last night, see when Jesus laid hands on people or told people or healed people, none of them fell. <laughs> they all got up and walked. Yeah. Jesus, never healed a, a, Jesus never healed somebody and made them lie down for the next three hours. Day carpet time. See, when Jesus says, Get up and walk, they get up. Do you know what they did? You're not going to believe this. They got up and walked. I'm like, You know, I've seen charismatic means and people actually fall down. I'm like, You used to could walk. You've learned no way walk. Serious. This is what's armed. But but within that confines, there's people who have got a heart for God, but the word's not getting preached, so they're no growing and they're no, because this can't get preached because we've just accepted everything. Then at least to the dead church, time's really gone here. At least to the dead church in Sardis. The dead church in Sardis had the one or two decent people in it. One was the leader, another one was, I don't know who. And Jesus was willing to get into that church and save that church just for the one or two people. But the church was dead. I'll move on. You'd think the dead church would do the last church. It's no, the last church is a lukewarm church. The dead church is no, the last church. The last church is a lukewarm church. Because at least if you're hot or cold, it says in the lukewarm church, I can do something with you. I can't do anything if you're just indifferent. See, the opposite of faith is total apathy. Total indifference. You don't feel anything. Nothing. You feel nothing. Don't feel anything. I'm glad if you leave here. You're a believer. You leave here and go, I was deeply challenged with that. I'm like, good, good, good. God's still breathing in your life. <laughs> the look warm church they are non-seeker friendly non-seeker friendly <laughs> uh, that kills me honestly what have I been doing God forgive me seriously they're non-seeker friendly they endorse positivity they promote wealth and riches this is what it says they promote wealth and riches it's about anything other 
See, because this doesn't work anymore because sin's so accepted. Now the only thing that will work is new riches and positive thinking. Tony Flip and Robbins is running churches. Sin is non-existent. Sin's no longer existent because it doesn't even get mentioned. The only thing that matters is self. This is what it says about the, the, the Luke Warham church that, 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 that Jesus visits. This is in Revelation 3.17. Because you see I am rich. Rich, you know what the word rich means? is 10. <laughs> Did you know that? They've sought another 10. The word rich in Hebrew means 10, meaning that they've sought another 10. They've sought another commandment to try and get by on and live on. Because, and he says there are two great commandments, that you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love you. Yep. That's the commandments. That's what all the commandments are. They've got a new commandment that's called rich because the commandments no work, so they no can longer get freedom. I know I'm saying this quick. They can no longer get freedom. They can no longer get peace. So they've had to start a new commandment. They've had to go and create something to make them feel good. Because, because see, the thing is, there's nothing. And it says, because you say I am rich, you became wealthy. Fraser, do you want to come up? No, in fact, just sit really now because I need to do this wee thing that I was going to do. And you do not need to know that you are wretched. No, this is what you don't know. This is what you don't know. This is what happens with the lukewarm church. You go and talk to people. This is what happens with the lukewarm church. You talk to people. I'm actually a good guy, are you? I don't really tell lies, do you know? I mean, I'm actually all right. I'm all right. No, I mean, I'm, I do this and I do that. They're total pathological liars. Pathological liars. I do this and I live like this and I live like this and I live like this. And I'm like, you are blind. You are in the dark. Yeah. You cannot say you don't tell lies when you just live a lie. Yeah. The whole thing's a lie. So how can you say, I don't, I don't tell lies? Yeah. I know you don't tell lies. You live, your whole life's a lie. <laughs> the whole life's a lie How can you? of course you don't tell lies yeah. you think everything's the truth because you live a lie yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what it says you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked because you see I'm rich now you start getting stuff wow. God's not your first love obsessing over your next holiday seriously obsessing over your next holiday your next outfit, your next hairdo Your next appointment at Mac. So you're obsessed now. All that stuff's gone. All started with losing your first love. Start to pursue stuff. All sorts of stuff. Start to pursue flesh and needs and means. This is what it says, all these riches, that's what we're pursuing now. Becomes everything. All materialistic. Becomes everything now. Drop God like a bad habit. Still in church day. That's an amazing thing. You can't even call this a church now. You can't even call it a church, but yeah, yeah, it would have a name above the door. What's your first love? Way too busy pursuing your stuff and your own riches. You're far away from your first love. You don't know you're blind, you're wretched. Okay, let me close with this. I'm not going to ask you about these, to go to these verses or anything. I'll maybe put them up, but I'm just closing. This is my close, Okay. I'm going to just read out a couple of things and then I'm going to show you about what I was thinking about about the photograph, all right? Just in case you think I forgot about that. Luke 15, 8. This is parables. There are 45 parables in the New Testament, just to let you know. 45 parable stories. Luke 15, 8. Or what woman having 10 silver coins? I'm going to read these three very quickly and then I'm going to ask a question, but they're rhetorical, okay? Uh, meaning you don't need to shout. <laughs> or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds a question. Just pod the thought. Where was she from? And what was her name? I just want to know, wondering what that was in that parable. Where was she from and what was her name? 
Okay, so that's what you start thinking about here. Let's go to another parable in Luke 15, 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and they wasted his possessions with prodigal living. This is the story of the prodigal son. Where did he go? How much money did he have, really? Questions. Who was it he really hung out with? Just wondering. And here's the last one in Luke 10, 31 to 32, my favourite one. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down to the road. This is Jesus talking parables here. Came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by the other side. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. Where was the priest gone? Where was the church that the priest was part of? It's questions. Did the priest and the Levite know each other? Okay, I want you to look at the screen of the photo just while that's on. I want you to look at the screen. Can you see that? Can you see that if you can? Okay, you having a right look? Can you put the lights down? Maybe people can see that a bit better. Having a look? Okay. What did you do there? Hands up if you looked for you. <laughs> so you looked for I, 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 who's looked for oh where am I everybody looked for themselves didn't they just about you did you instantly looked for you okay let me get back and ask the questions again in these parables uh, what, what women having ten coins if she loses one does not light a lamp Fraser you can come now definitely uh, and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. Where was she from and what was her name? She didn't have a name and she wasn't from anywhere. It was a parable. She didn't exist. Weird day. The prodigal son. How many days after the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, there he wasted possessions with prodigal living question I asked was where did he go and how much money did he have and where did he hang out did he have any money he didn't go anywhere and he didn't hang out with MD he didn't exist <laughs> okay here's the last one Luke 10 31 and 32 and by chance a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side likewise a Levite and arrived at the place and came and looked and he passed by the other side the question asked was is, where was the priest gone nowhere because he didn't exist uh, and, and what church did he join he wasn't he part of a church because he really wasn't he a person yeah. and lastly uh, <laughs> Did the priest and the Levite know each other? I've heard teachings in that. <laughs> I've heard teachings in that. They were going to Jerusalem to get their wages. <laughs> Seriously, I've heard teachings in that. Aye, they were going to Jerusalem to get their wages, were they? Aye, but what happened is they were going to get their wages and the reason they never touched the guy is because that would have been blood in their hands and then if they get blood in their hands then they wouldn't have got their wages and they wouldn't have got that. Okay, that's all brilliant, isn't it? The prodigal son, you'd like, oh, I identify with the other son. I don't just identify with the prodigal, I identify with the guy that stayed at home, do you? You identify with somebody that doesn't exist, really? Really? I identify with the guy that didn't exist. Didn't exist. Where did she lose her coin? You know, was she careless? Oh, I've heard teaching on how careless she was. She was very careless, you know. Like, no, how careless was she? She wasn't that careless. She didn't exist. <laughs> Here's the point. 
The point I'm making is the only person that matters in this book is him. We have became so obsessed with finding ourselves. It's no you you're trying to find. It's him. It's him. It's him. It's not you. It's him. The the parables are about him. They're not about you. 45 parables all about him. The good Samaritan was him. The father was him. There is no woman who's lost any coins. There's only the lost and there's only found in him. I could go on and on the Levite and the priest. What church did they go to? None. Never been in church. It was only about him. We look at the Bible and they're going, I don't get it because we're looking for us. Stop opening your Bible and trying to find you. Open your Bible and find him. It's all about him. It's not about you. Stephen Furtick done a message called Death to Selfie. Seriously. I mean, great, we just take a photo of Jesus, just send photos of Jesus. It's about him. You know, if you take it for high, hide your chins now. <laughs> you know, I'm not flinging our brains away. We understand. Yeah. Yeah. He's our first love. The rest of the band want to come up and give people some hope here. In the last month and a half, as I've been opening my Bible and I ask for forgiveness in front of this congregation, and seriously, I do. For years, we've loved God, and I've never felt that we've no loved God in this church. We've loved God, but I think the world and the seeker-friendly stuff, which is slowly but surely, you know, where I'm at with that, and you know what I've always felt about charismatic stuff that started in the sixties. Same time as flower power. There you go. And charismatic movement started. You know, you know the charismatic. I think the charismatic movement started, but didn't it? Charismatic movement had a revival in the 1960s in Pensacola and places like Toronto movement and where Jesus wasn't telling people to go up, he was flinging them to the floor for about three days. Well, this wasn't getting preached. <laughs> I've been to revival meetings, this is hardly mentioned. They mentioned one line. The rest of the, the, rest of the times took up with feelings. Demands it. It's demanded acceptance in the church. And in a church, we've been great in many things and terrible at some. <laughs> As the word of God has been found, and it's the things that have been terrible that I've not realized how people are not getting fed because we've started to accept what's not acceptable. And I don't mean no about loving people, because our first love is to love. God, we all are heart, soul, and mind and love people. Yeah. But we've became so accepting of what's no right that people are not finding God. Yeah. And we've get rid of God for good. <laughs> and I think over the last couple of months is this has became made alive. I've started to see less of me in the Bible and Mary Jesus and yeah. this is not about me, this is about us. Uh, it's about him. 
and we've done stuff and we've been brilliant and we can get a crowd. Pizza will get a crowd, by the way. Pizza will get a crowd. Your giveaway will get a crowd and and that's good because I think it's dead important in the context and I don't want us to fling the baby out of the bathwater here. I think it's dead important that we love in families and our community and we do that. But we do it because we first love him. We do it because we first love him. Really. That's why we do it. And something's changed and it's amazing and it's rapid. <laughs> and I know you're on a journey with it and I hope I hope you're getting closer to Jesus. That's what I hope. I hope you're finding Jesus. I hope you're finding a God who loves you. I hope you're finding a Jesus who adores you. I hope you're finding a... I hope you're finding a saviour who's gave up everything for you. I hope in amongst this that you're returning to your first love, that, that the Bible was becoming made alive to you. I've been speaking to people about the revelation of God's word and how they're just... God's word's becoming so real into their life that, and I think churches in the past have had one another, they've been all word and no relationship. Bretham Church, for instance, they've been a bit wordy, but they've, and you can get where the fear comes from <laughs> to an extent, if nothing else. Uh, don't you think we should have both? Don't you think it should be the love of God and God's love is it's wide, it's deep, it's wide. It's got love, it's got forgiveness, it's got understanding in it. People are grasping for freedom in life, terribly grasping for freedom in life, and the Church of Jesus Christ has played a massive disservice. We think we're doing the world a favour by accepting everything that they bring. When the truth is, this is what will convict people and change their hearts. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.